means just a couple of weeks from now, uh, this Sunday, that it's ending for Sunday the 30th. You have non-church or non-believing non, uh, friends along. I'm happy to see that you haven't done that. Thank you for that. Um, hopefully next week, though, let me tell you, from this week onwards, go hard, bring them in. Um, we'll do our best to create an environment where they can connect freely with uh, the heart of God and experience God. But thank you for today. Um, last week, an interesting thing happened. Who's been watching the Olympic Games? I know, according to television ratings, I think they said seven people have been tuning in so far. <laughs> They're not getting real big ratings at the moment, unfortunately. But um, the International Olympic Committee made an announcement two weeks ago. Did anyone know what that announcement was? It was a big announcement. They said in the Tokyo Olympics, I think it's Tokyo Next Olympics, they're introducing some new sports. They're introducing the sport of surfing. Surfing as an Olympic sport. Who would have ever thought surfing would become an Olympic sport? They're introducing, I think they call it power climbing. You know, climbing up um, rock walls really fast. Uh, I come down really fast, going up not quite as quick, but um, I don't think you can win a gold for coming down, but uh, if you could, I'd put my hand up. Uh, so they're bringing power climbing into the Olympic Games. They're also bringing skateboarding into the Olympic Games. In the Tokyo Olympics, skateboarding. Who would have thought, going back, who would have thought, going back tw even 20 years, that one day we would be sitting at home watching the Olympic Games and you would see surfing, you would see power climbing, and you would see skateboarding. Do you know why they've done that? Because the International Olympic Committee have looked at the Olympic Games and their mission to globally bring the world together. They want to bring the world together under the banner of sport and competition and so on. And they're noticing a trend, less and less people are watching the games on TV for a start and they're finding less and less people uh, when they go and look at figures and stuff with junior sport, less and less people are doing the particular sports that are actually being offered at the Olympic Games. So in order to capture a new generation and keep up with what's going on in the world, they've realised we need to introduce these new sports otherwise we are going to lose a whole generation of people to the beauty that is the Olympic Games. Isn't that amazing? On this massive scale, this big organisation have made the connection, they've looked at the world around them and gone, you know what? If we don't make some changes, we're going to lose a whole generation of kids. Uh, anyone ever watched the X Games on TV? Extreme Games? Anyone ever heard of that? It's been going on for a number of years now, and they're called the Extreme Games, or X Games for short. And they've got um, uh, BMX riding and skateboarding and all kinds of... It's all these ex what they call extreme sports. Basically, anything that could kill you really quickly. That's an extreme sport. Uh, one slip up and it could be over. That's pretty much what a lot of these sports are. Motocross and all these weird, all these adrenaline rush type things. And um, it's getting a massive, massive following at the moment. It's actually becoming really, really big. Commercially, TV stations are wanting to, to, to host the X Games because there's a lot of money involved. A lot of people want to market their products during the X Games because of the viewership that's there. Um, and so the, the Olympic Committee have done a very smart thing in going, we've, we can see this, this whole other side of life that's opening up and people, so we need to, in order to bring that generation back, we've had to open up a few things and make some changes. Sounds incredibly like the church, if you ask me. Sounds incredibly like the church. I want to uh, point you out just in Acts chapter 15 really quickly, just to lay a little bit of a foundation about what we're going to look at. Acts chapter 15 is probably the most significant event in the history of the church. I don't think we realise the significance of it because we live 2,000 years after the fact. But what happened was people were getting saved and the Jews were coming to faith in Christ and then some Gentiles. Gentiles were the outsiders, the others that didn't necessarily have the, the Christian foundation, the basis. They weren't brought up uh, in the church or anything like that. And the gospel came to them and they began to have encounters with Christ and accept Christ. 
All of a sudden, some people came in. These were insiders, went out to them and said, it's wonderful that you found Jesus, but there's a few things that you have to do. If you can picture a ladder being presented here in front of us and me down here and God's up there. How many of you know that through Jesus Christ, he put enough rungs in that ladder so that he could get down here and we could connect with him? And made it easy for us to be able to connect with God. What these people effectively did was they came along into the church and said, it's wonderful that you found God, but we're going to take a few of these rungs out of the ladder to make it a little bit harder for you to get up there and to connect with God. Thankfully, I think it was Paul and Barnabas heard about this and they said, this isn't right. We need to go back to the Jerusalem Council. The Jerusalem Council were uh, like the power brokers, I guess. They were the the guys that were were making the big decisions when it came to the church at that stage. These were guys that had walked with Christ and had had a history of the faith but were filled with the Spirit of God and and could think globally about issues, not just what's it like for the Gentiles, not just what's it like for the Jews. How do we we realise that that this faith is a universal thing? What what, what can we do to, to make it work universally? What do we need to do? What are the negotiables, in other words, to our Christian faith and our Christian experience and our Christian presentation? And what are the non-negotiables? And so the message came back to them and they sat there. And in Acts chapter 15 and verse 28, I think it is. Acts 15, 28. I don't know if we can get it up on the screen there. They got together and they chatted and they prayed. And here's the conclusion. Here's what they came to. They penned a letter to send back to these Gentile believers. And they said this, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. And then they listed a couple of things. And I don't want to get into those particular things, but if you look at them, they had very much to do with the culture of the day, what the Gentiles had come out of, and it also had to do with what the Jewish believers were able to tolerate. How many of you know that we, part of the beauty of being a believer is I believe I, to a certain degree, I will play to the lowest common denominator when it comes to fellowship. If, 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 you, if, if you are offended by somebody having a glass of wine, for example, and I go to dinner with you, rather than sit there and flaunt my freedom and go, well, I don't care what you think, I can have a glass of wine because I'm free in Jesus and it's okay. That's not the loving thing to do. The loving thing to do would be to play to that and I'll go without a glass of wine tonight. If it's going to cause offence to my brother or sister, I'm happy. It's a negotiable. Whether I have a glass of wine with my dinner or not, it's a negotiable, you know? And so that's what these conditions were. They had to do with the culture of the day and so on. But it's interesting the way they worded it. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I think there can be extremes in church. There can be one extreme that says, let's just work it all out up here and just make church the way that we think it should be. Perhaps reacting to what's going on out in the world and out of reaction. And sometimes too out of reaction to what's happening in the church. We don't like this, so we're going to distance ourselves. And so we work it all out ourselves and try to come up with something. There's another extreme too where we just sit in a cupboard and pray for revival. We don't think about church. We don't think about how we interact with the world. We just throw it all on God's shoulders and go, oh God, you deal with all that. I love their response. They say it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. In other words, we've sat with God on this and we've thought about it, we've prayed. But it also seemed good to us as well. In other words, not only did we sit with God and pray, but we have looked at the culture around us. We've looked at the world around us. We've looked at where the church is at. We've tried to see what God is doing. And we've used our brain and we've worked out. We think that in order to go forward, this is the best way that we can do this. They thought about church. They thought about what they were doing. They were thinking about the ramifications for the different ways they interplayed and interacted with the world. And I think there's a lesson in that for the church today. I feel like we're a little bit like the uh, International Olympic Committee. We've got to face a reality. And that reality is that, that, that as far as attendance goes at church, numbers are declining. Numbers are declining. If you can chuck that first um, slide up there for me, please, Luke. 
Here's some, some statistics. I've got a few slides here. I want you to think about a couple of things as we go through the morning here. And what I want today is I want us to engage our brain and think as a community, as a family. Okay. <laughs> National Church Life Survey done in 2011. There's another one being done now. So I haven't got today's stats. Uh, sorry, 2016, they're doing one in September. But these were the last... 2011. Church attendance has more than halved in the last decade. In the last four decades. Sorry, I'm missing the number four. In the last four decades. Church numbers have halved from 36% to just 15%. This is people who claim to attend church once a month. So we've gone from four decades ago uh, at 36% down to 15 more than half in attendance in, in, in regular uh, worship services in, in, in our country. The average age of adult church attendance is 53. Pentecostal churches, it's about 39. It's probably got a little bit to do with the fact that Pentecostal churches probably probably do connect a little better with the current culture in terms of worship styles, music styles, instruments, all this sort of stuff. Um, but that's a, that's a, 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 it's not a great statistic that the average age is, is, is 40 years of age. 40 years of age. Especially when we look further down the bottom. 20 to 39-year-olds make up 34% of the population, but they're only 21% of church attenders. So only about one in every five people that attend church are between that age of, of, of 20 and 40. So they're either little kids who probably have to be there because mum and dad are taking them or sending them or we're catching them up later in life but there's a massive gap there in the middle. Matter of fact, 18 to 35 is what's considered a drop-off zone. Church attendance really drops in that age bracket from 18 to 35. That's a reality. These are, these are statistics in our nation uh, as we speak. Uh, that, that's, that, that tells me straight away, 18 to 35, maybe we're not doing uh, a greatest job at capturing these kids from zero to 18. I see it's really important that we have good kids' ministries in church. What does that look like? Well, that's negotiable. It's really important that we do things for, for that, that, that teenage bracket. What do we do? I don't know. It's negotiable. But the thing is, if we don't think about it, these statistics, according to what we're seeing here, they're just going to keep on getting harder and harder and worse and worse. So we can pray and we need to pray and seek God. But you know what? As fellowships, as congregations, as believers, we need to think about this stuff too because this is the, the church world that we're living in at the moment. Uh, here we go to the next one, Luke. Okay, 92% of people in the survey said they don't go to church at all. 92% said they don't attend. So of the 92 who do not attend, here are the reasons they gave, 47% said it's irrelevant to their lives. A church worship service is irrelevant. In other words, there's nothing of value there for me. Why would I go? 24% think that the church services run on a very outdated style. So the style that we use at church, when we say style, we're talking about the, the whole package, the presentation, the, you know, from, from what the person up the front's wearing to, to do they use a drum in worship or have they got organs or, or what are they, how do they do morning tea, do they do communion? Um, uh, what's the welcome table look? The whole style, the whole feel about the place. 24% think that we run on an outdated style that doesn't work out there in the world. If you, I mean, if you, yeah, that, that's a fairly, uh, fairly easy one to see if you go to uh, seminars that are being run out there uh, in the context of the world, youth seminars and business seminars and so on, you see the, the stuff that's going on there. You can see straight away there's a, there's a bit of a difference in the way we do our presentations to the way the world does, you know. Um, is it good, bad, indifferent? It's irrelevant. It's just, that's what it is. It's what people think. How many of you know that, that, that perspective is your reality? That's, we can't sit here and point fingers and go, well, they shouldn't be thinking like that. That's not right. 
they do. It's just the way it is. And us thinking it's not right, it might not be right, it might not be fair, but it is what it is. This is what people are thinking. 19% simply don't believe the Bible. 90% of people say they simply don't believe the Bible. It's an interesting thought. I'd love to sit with that 19% because I would challenge that. I think more people believe the Bible than what they realise, but what they don't realise is what they believe can be found in the Bible. Why is that? Maybe I wonder if it comes something to do with the way we present it, perhaps. I don't know. You know? 18% are simply too busy to attend. They're simply too busy. They say, I just don't have time in my world to attend church or attend a worship service. Uh, do you want to flick the next one up there for us, Luke? <laughs> the survey taken by the McCrindle Research Group in 2013 asked this question of non-attendance, are churches beneficial for me and my community? Interesting statistics. Is a church beneficial for you? Do you see the church beneficial? 43% of people said yes. 43% of people, that's, that's a large statistic of people who look at church and go, I actually think that church could be beneficial for me. In other words, I think I could get something out of this, 43%. When you look at the last slide and you look at the statistics of people attending and so on, and then you look at that, it brings up questions in my mind. So they're saying that they won't attend, these are the reasons, but at the same time they're saying, I think it could be beneficial for me. And is a church beneficial for my community? 88% of people surveyed said, yes, we believe having a local church in our community will benefit our community. That's a, that's a large statistic. When I look at that and I say 43% of individuals say, yes, church could benefit me, 88% say church could benefit my community, then I go back to the previous slide and I look at the reasons why they won't attend and 92% say they don't attend. I look at that and it makes me think, well, what's, what's going on here, God? What conclusions can we come to when we look at the bigger picture of what's going on out there in our communities? Go to slide five for me, Luke. All this information tells me that people are not sitting at home on a Sunday morning having made up their mind that they would never attend a service. Only that they don't see the benefit or opportunity to attend church in its current context. People aren't as opposed to attending church as we think they are. What the research is telling us is it's not that people are sitting at home having made up their mind going, I'll never go to a church. What they're saying is I can't see myself attending a meeting in its current context or its current style or the current way that you do it. I'm not close to attending. As a matter of fact, I think there could be some benefit in what you guys do, but the context in which you do it and the way in which you do it doesn't connect with me. I, I can't find a place in that. It's a challenge. So what do we do with that sort of information? Let me say something to you. The power of the cross has not diminished in 2,000 years. The ability of God to connect with a person, change a human heart, has not changed in 2,000 years. Will we all agree with that? God, what God has to offer humanity has not diminished. So we all agree, what God has to offer humanity is as powerful today as the day when he hung on that cross. We look at the stats and we go, people are not totally closed to attending a church service or to getting involved in a church community, a church fellowship, yet numbers are declining. To me, I look at those stats and I go, that sounds like a challenge. Sounds like a challenge. Who likes being challenged? I'm always up for a challenge. I love it when, when people challenge me to do things. Even if they're stupid things, I don't care, I'll do it just because you challenged me. Just because you told me I couldn't, I'll have a go at it anyway, I'll fall on my face and break my arm, but I don't care. 
At least I had a go and I took you on your turn. I look at all that stuff and I go, you know what? That's a real challenge. So what, what I'm hearing God say is that there are people out there that are interested. They see the benefit of what we have to offer being God, but the way in which we're presenting it to the world, they're going, we don't get it. It's irrelevant to us and it doesn't work. We need to understand in the last 2,000 years, the power of the cross has not diminished or lost its potency, no matter what society looks like or no matter what has happened. What has happened is this. Over time, there's become a greater gap in people's minds as to where they are and where God is. They're not close, but there's a much bigger gap. And where once upon a time they felt they could walk into a church and that would be the place to find, to fill that gap, now the world looks at the church and goes, well, hang on a second, we know where we are and we know we've got a feeling God is over here and the church doesn't fill the gap. We don't feel like that what you have or we don't feel like you can help us connect. Now, we know we do have what they need and we know that we can help them connect. But again, perception is reality and if that's how they're looking at us, they're not going to come. If they think that, that we're irrelevant, if they think that we're this, they think they're just not going to waste their time to come. How many of you know when you wake up on a Sunday morning, the, the thought in your head, nobody goes like this, it's a beautiful day today, what can I do? Well, what are our options, honey? Well, we can go to the beach, we can go out for breakfast, we could go to the gym or we could go to church. How many of you know that, that those four things don't line up on the same level, do they? It's like we can go to the gym, we can go for breakfast or we can go for a walk on the beach or something. Church is on a totally different thought process level. It's not on the same level as, as, as those things, you know. This is the world in which we live in. So people in people's minds, there's a gap between where they are and where God is. Here's part of the problem. Now, I want you to stay with me and I want you to be open to what I'm about to say, okay? Here's a thought. In other words, when people say, I'm too busy to fit in an hour and a half service. My life's too busy, I don't have time. The church says to them, oh, well, sorry about that, but that's how long our services are. Sorry, we run for an hour and a half. Let me ask you a question. Is that negotiable or non-negotiable? In terms of salvation, the cross, we've got to think about this. When people go, I won't go to a service on a Sunday morning, it doesn't fit in with my lifestyle. So the church says, oh, well, sorry, but that's when we have our services. Sorry about that, but we have them Sunday morning. Is it negotiable or non-negotiable? People say, oh, I don't believe the Bible. So the church says, oh, well, I'm sorry about that. That's the word of God and that's all there is to it. You ever notice how often Jesus preached and didn't use the Bible? Read the New Testament. Quite often he would say, and as it's written and written and written. You know, there were many, many times where he never said and it's written. He just took the principles that the Bible talked about, the principles of the kingdom, he expanded them in common language that people could understand without ever referring to the book. Tilt, tilt. He's talking about God, he's talking about God's principles. Um, I went to Hillsong years and years ago and I've never forgotten, I've only been to Hillsong once, John Maxwell, you know John Maxwell, the leadership God? Most of you would have come across his books and stuff. Anyway, he's, he's out there in the secular world, a leadership teaching guru. Goes and talks to corporations and CEOs and so on. And I remember him at Hillsong and there was a small session where a few of us were in a room and he was up the top being interviewed by Brian Houston. People were asking questions. Somebody asked the question, they said, how, are you, how, do, how do you get this amazing platform with people all around the world? And these are intelligent CEOs of, of companies and you get to, to teach them from the Bible. 
how does this happen? This is just not normal. We can't even get them to come to a church. And they pay a hundred bucks a session to come and hear you tell them about the Bible. You know what he said? He said, here's how I do it. He said, I get up there and he said, I don't, I don't teach. And the Bible says, I just get up there and I give them principles. And they come up to me and they say, where do you get this amazing teaching from? And he said, I just look them in the eye and I go, do you really want to know? I go, yeah. He'll go, meet me over at that table lunchtime. I'll tell you. And then he tells them, you know, all this stuff I'm teaching you all comes out of this best-selling book of all time. And he points them to the Word of God. Just thoughts. So honest reflection, when I look at all this stuff, I believe it has to lead us to this, that if people are not engaging in the life of church, then perhaps, just perhaps, it has something to do with the way we do it. Maybe. Maybe it has something to do with the way we do it. When we were in YWAM, me and Jackie, years and years and years ago, uh, there, there we were, all these young couples were getting married and there was this trend of contraception. It's a method called the Billings Method. Anyone ever heard of the Billings Method? Anyone? A few of you would have heard of it. And it has to do with body temperature at a certain point and, and, and ovulation and the sperm and egg won't connect at a certain temperature. Anyway, it became the phase. It was the, it was the big phase on the YWAM base at the time and all these young couples are getting married and, and they were preaching the Billings Method and teaching the Billings Method and doing the Billings Method. About 18 months after it started, there was a joke on the base and the joke was this, what do you call the woman on the Billings Method? Mum. Because every one of them fell pregnant. But you know what was crazy? They would continue to defend the method even though it was not giving them the results that they longed for. But they would look you in the eye and they would argue you and they would fight with you about the method they would even blame themselves and take it on board themselves and go, well, I must have slipped up, but the method's irrefutable, it always works. But you're all having babies and you didn't want to have them at that time. Doesn't that tell you something? Wake up, be honest, look at it and go, maybe the method's not working. <laughs> Just humble yourself, please, people. The proof is right there, the method wasn't working. And I guess it's a great example of illustration Maybe, as I said today, I'm, I'm, I'm just wanting us to think. And maybe you'll go home today, maybe you'll have conversations over coffee, or maybe you'll, you'll have conversations at, in, in your connect groups, as we did on, on uh, Tuesday. I had a great conversation around some of these things. And we'll start to think about what we do. Because I don't think there's anything holy and righteous about defending a method that God himself is not precious about. God himself is not precious about the method. God is precious about the result of people being raised. The great commandment and the great commission, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, and go out there, love your neighbour as yourself, and go out there and make yourself. This is what God's precious about. This is what we want. This is where we're heading. But I think it's time as a church that we ask a few questions. It's not unholy, it's not unrighteous, there's nothing wrong with confronting reality and going, you know what, when I look at those statistics, I see a society around me that are not close to God, they're not close to the gospel, they're not close to attending my church. But they've got very valid reasons and ways in which they're trying to say to the church, we, we believe that maybe you got something, we're, we're not that stupid, we know that you teach good morals, we know you teach the church kids going up. Even though my kids are brats and disrespectful, I see that church friend of theirs is really respectful when he comes over and visits. They can see the good stuff on offer. But they look at the way it's been packaged and presented at the moment and they're going, we don't want that. 
So one of two things has to happen. We've got to expect the whole world to go, well, we'll just get over each other. Or maybe we hold balance of power. Maybe we can start thinking, asking the questions, looking at the world around us, coming to that place where we can say, you know, it's seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. That we lay upon you, God, no extra burdens. That we make it easy for you to come and connect with God. If that means making a few adjustments and changes, then maybe, just maybe, that's what we have to do. We're going to do something a little bit different outside your space at the moment. We're going to have a 10-minute break. Okay? It's only 11.20. We're still going to get out of here on time today. We're going to have a 10-minute break. We're going to start a climb up there. I want you to go and grab a piece of cake or a tart or water or a coffee or a tea. Like that, I want you to sneak out the door and go home, please. <laughs> Hang around. Well, let's have a 10-minute break. We're going to come back. I'm just going to present a couple more things. And then that'll be the end of our little family gathering. So is that okay? Ten minutes, we're going to be music out in the background. Let's, let's grab some tea, coffee, uh, and just keep an eye on the timer and just come and sit back down. Ten minutes, though. <laughs> okay. If you want to, uh, Make your way to your chair, or if you don't want to sit down, it's fine. Just if you want to give me some attention at the moment, and we'll continue on with with this. Brought my glasses this afternoon. Thankfully, I've got past the Bible bit without having to use them, and I can just do that with the iPad. So once again, I win. Nobody sees me with glasses on. Luke, can we put that last slide up, please? Arise, church. Notice I haven't put the word church there because I'm still grappling with that whole concept. I'd rather think that the church comes to arise as opposed to arises the church. But anyway, to play on words. Our mission statement. Here's what we are here for. We, me and Jackie have been, uh, uh, I guess, overseeing this church now for 15 months. <coughs> uh, we've tried our best to throw a bit of our DNA in each week and let you guys get to know who we are and what we're about. And I think... Uh, I think most of you would know that, 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 that we have a heart for those that are outside the walls of the church. Uh, we certainly love those within the walls of the church. We love our own family, uh, and I mean that. Um, a few weeks ago I was away and had to <coughs> go and speak at a YWAM school, and I used, to, I used to love those moments. I used to thank God for those moments to get up there with those young people. And, uh, but I genuinely, genuinely wrestled with, with the fact that I wasn't here that Sunday. Because I just love our church, I, 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 this group of people. I love what I feel like God is saying to us, where I believe God uh, wants to take us, uh, and I'm excited about that. So, this is our mission statement. If you're joining yourself to this this particular uh, group of believers, this is what we are about. We're equipping people to find intimacy with God, connection with insiders, and impact with outsiders. We've used the term insiders and outsiders <coughs> deliberately. Uh, let's just break that down for a second. First of all, uh, equipping people to find intimacy with God. We want to see people come into a saving knowledge of Christ. We want to see people come to faith. At the end of the day, I'm a firm believer. I can clothe you uh, and give you the best of fineries, the greatest roof over your head. I can fill your car with petrol. I can build you a house. I can give you a million dollars. But if you die and you do not find your heart... Yeah, I know some of you want to take that up on that offer. Um, <laughs> 
I said I could, not that I'm going to. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal. If God gives me a million dollars by the end of this message, I'll give you half. Um, nothing yet. I haven't checked my bank account yet though, so we'll see. Um, so if God's telling you to give me a million, just give me 500,000, you keep the other half, I'll give it back to you anyway. Um, so we want to see people equipped with God. At the end of the day, we believe that people need to, through faith in Jesus Christ, come back into a relationship with the Father. That's the end result of everything that we're doing. We want to create an environment in our own personal world. We want to uh, hopefully be equipping and, and challenging you to be doing the same thing, creating that environment in your own personal world where God can use you to be that connection point, where God can use you to show people uh, the importance of being reconnected with the Father and that the only way we can do that is through the death, burial and the resurrection of Jesus. When we talk about church and we talk about negotiables and non-negotiables, I'm a big believer that that is the one non-negotiable, that we come to the Father through the Son. That's the only way. Jesus said, he didn't say, I'm one of the ways, one of the truths and one of the lies. He's the only, the only spiritual teacher in history to say, I am the way. A lot of other people, uh, uh, spiritual teachers and gurus all say, I'm one of the way and I'm one of this. Jesus was the only one who said, I am the way. There's no other way to the Father but through me. Through what I did on the cross, that is the one way that you can reconnect with God. Have your sins taken away, your guilt, your shame wiped away uh, by accepting somebody else has done for you that which you will never be good enough to do for yourself. That's a non-negotiable for us. And we want to equip people to find intimacy with God. For there are people right now that are not even connected, so they need to find intimacy with God through the cross. There are others of us in here, like you and me, we are connected with God, but how many of you know I'm still searching? I'm still finding more and more out about God. I'm still building my relationship with Him. I'm still building my intimacy with the Father. I'm still building. Secondly, connection with insiders. Equip people to have connection with insiders. We care about the church. We care about people within the church. We don't want to go to the place where once you get saved, we don't care about you. That's not the heart of the Father. That's not what it was about. That's not what the church is about. We're building a community of people. We're building a community of believers. We're basically, and if you want to look at it this way, we're trying to go back to the Garden of Eden and strip all the other rubbish away and let's have that relationship, that, that, that clean, crisp relationship with the Father and that pure relationship with one another. It's kind of what we want. We want to equip people for that. We do that in the church through things like connect groups. One of the reasons why we, first thing we did was we wanted to get connect groups established. Why? Because it's helping connection with insiders. We need each other. How do I see certain aspects of the character and nature of the Father? I see them through you. They're not just peripheral feelings up there and one day I go, ooh, I just felt, oh, I just felt grace. Oh, I just felt, ooh, what's that feeling? You know? When I make a mistake and you look me in the eye and go, I forgive you. I feel the forgiveness of the Father to me when I make mistakes and things that don't please him. When you give me grace, I feel the grace of God. That's how we display the character and nature of God to one another. It's important that we connect with each other and that we stay connected. So we provide things like connect groups. If you're not in a connect group, please, I know some of you are not in connect groups. I'm, I'm urging you, encouraging you with passionate abandon. I'm not saying you have to be in one to be saved. But I'm saying if you are not in one, you are missing out on a certain aspect of Christian community. Okay? You need to to, to connect yourself. We don't make people go. I know pastors of other churches have told me that if you're going to come to my church, he's got a list. He said, I won't even let you attend if you don't go to a connect group. I don't want to do that. I don't believe in doing that. 
Jesus said that we were to, to uh, Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We need to think about that what just happened. So when I break that down to our Jerusalem, our community, our area, I think if we don't think about what we're doing and we just haphazardly go along, somebody's going to think, what am I? Either we're going to think about it or we're going to force the outside world to think about how they can squeeze it. And I don't think it's right that we don't think we expect the world to think about how they're breaking the church. Church is God's world. Where we are at the moment, we're here. We meet the DSAC. And I want to just throw a couple of thoughts at you. Let me premise this by saying I love all of you to death. Okay? So I don't want anyone to take anything personal or anyone to be offended at anything I'm about to say. I just want to stimulate thought. One thing we need to begin to do is when we come to church, I don't think we... When you do something long enough, how many of you know that you stop thinking about it just to come through a body and do it? Anything in life. You can get to a point where we stop thinking we just go through emotions and we do things. And then, and by the way, going through emotions and not that. When a doctor is operating on my heart, putting a stint in and he's going through the motions, I'm very glad he's doing it. Because if he deviates from the emotions, he might not save my life. You see? So when I say going through the emotions, don't always assume that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, we come to church and we have our worship and our Fellowship and all this stuff, and go home and so on. For one second, I want us to not think about what we do here from the inside out. Just for a minute, for the next 10 minutes, I want to challenge us to think about what goes on in here from the outside. If you're an outsider, how many years? What's it like? What's it feel like? What makes sense? What does I just want to throw some thoughts about it. I was going to write a story like a Dr. Zeus type. I'm not smart, but um, I was going to, if I was to name this story, I'd call this story Jeff and Dawn Go to Church. Jeff and Dawn Go to Church. And the interesting thing about this story is I thought, I love how Star Wars says it, it starts off in a galaxy far, far away. But I thought, if I called it Jeff and Dawn Go to Church, I would have to say it's not in a galaxy far, far away. As a matter of fact, this happens right here. In As a matter of fact, if I'm brutally honest with you, it happens here in our church about four weeks ago. A couple by the name of Jeff and Dawn walked into church. How do I know so much about Jeff and Dawn? Well, they're my uncle and aunt. They've never been to church in their life and walked into our church. Never been to church. Here's what happened that Sunday morning. I got up and I stood up in front of the church and I started to play and worship. And I got up here, and I think I worded it in this way. I said to everybody, um, uh, come on, let's stand up, let's worship God. And I felt like God spoke to me while I was standing here in the car here, and God said, well, what are you doing? Maybe this conversation was going in my head, said I'm going to go to the He said, no, I know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. And they know what you're doing. They know what you're doing. I never thought of it. All of a sudden, I had to backpack a little bit. And I thought, oh, that's must be really strange. And they walk into church, foreign environment. I just told them, you will stand up and you will sing some songs about it. How weird. It's kind of strange, isn't it? Anyway, I backed up a bit and said, here's what we're going to do. Who's ever been to a football match and you get really excited about what's happening? It's that kind of emotional excitement. So we're going to express that excitement to God. Thinking on my feet the quickest way I could do it. And so I did that. And we sang some songs and we sat back down. And then a couple of people got up and did a communion talk. 
And the communion talk was fantastic, was great. And then they sat back down, I got up and said, right, yeah, well, you know, let's, let's eat and drink together. And I heard this voice inside my head go, what are you doing? I said, we're taking communion. And that same voice said to me, I know that, and they know that. But what are they thinking? And I'm looking at Jeff and Dawn going, this doesn't make no sense to you. I mean, I've just walked up here, handed you a little tiny cracked piece of dry biscuit and a thimble, not even a stubby, just a thimble of juice. And I'll put it in front of you. And you feel kind of awkward if I'm walking past you with it and you don't know that you can have it out and you don't have to know. It's just no, everyone's doing it, I've got to do this, you know? And so I tried to on my feet really quickly explain this is what we're doing in really, really simple terms to engage this couple that are sitting. I'm not trying to engage you. You're engaging with God in this process because you know what communion is. It means something to you, but these guys are walking in going, this is strange. Man, I walk in here, they tell me to stand up, they make me sing some songs, they give me a cane to give me a full glass of juice, they give me a thimble. And a broken bit of biscuit, I'm told I've got to eat it. It's weird if you're an outsider looking in. So we finished that. Then I got up and I started to um, preach. And all of a sudden, offering that tribe, sorry, the next thing was the offering. And this was before we got the um, letterbox up the back there. And so we started passing the buckets around. And all of a sudden, as it's coming up to them, I see them start reaching around in their pocket. And I'm going, thinking, Oh no, here we go again. They've got no idea what we're doing. They've walked into church, like a lot of people, they probably think we're after your money, and we've just confirmed them, we got your suckers, sit down, stand up, sing our song, eat our thing, we'll take the biscuit now, pay for it. Keep putting your money. And, and Jackie's trying to lean over going, oh, no, it's okay, you don't have to, don't have to, but the damage has been done. Everyone's passing money, so, you know, so they put the money in, they've got, you know, praise God, I'm sure they'll be blessed as well. I put their money in the bucket. After that, I start to preach. And I look at my notes and I go, Well, you know, hang on a second. There's a problem here because all of you are going to understand what I'm talking about. But they're not. Why? I'm just looking at some phrases I'm using and some uh, examples I'm using, things like that, and there's no way these guys are going to connect with it. So I have to, on my feet, start going over everything I'm saying again. I'm communicating the same point to you. I'm getting the same message across as what I've got here, but I'm, the thinking process is different about how I communicate that. You know? When Jesus stood up, he didn't say, and, and the Bible says, and he stood up and he goes, let me tell you a story about some sheep and some goats. Let me tell you something about a woman who lost a coin. And she dropped it through the floorboards. And everyone's here and going, yeah, I've done that before. I lost a coin in the floorboard. I get it. Yeah, I relate to that. And so Jesus would speak in ways that people would relate, but he could communicate spiritual truth. So I might be going, well, that's, that's, that's these people. These guys are standing there while Jesus is standing on the mountain giving his sermon. They're there going, we don't, don't talk about stuff. We don't get it. But we believe, 43% of us think that we've got saying probably a benefit to us. But please do it in a relevant way. Please do it in a way that, that counts, in a way that we understand. And so I did the message, and at the end of the message, he's finished. And I looked out, and somebody came up and we praying for them, and I was just standing there by myself for a bit. And then my, my daughter came up because of the family connection, and grabbed and put them up that. But I'll be honest, I stood there and I watched them just standing there looking around. Just standing there looking around. And I thought, regardless of who they are, they're just another people who are walking the church. And they're standing there by themselves for five, ten minutes just looking around. And I look around and, and, and I can see groups of people. 
Now, it stood out to me because the week before that, I was that group of people with somebody else, and Daniel might remember this, and we were joking about it. We were up the back having a chat, and I was chatting with a few blokes, and we sort of formed a circle. And so Daniel came in, and as a bit of a joke, tried to get his head under my arm to get him this group. Because he was over here talking to a bunch of ladies, and he suddenly realised the men are over there talking, I'm not going to get out there with me. So we tried to break into the circle. And we're having a bit of a joke about it, but I realised, what did that circle communicate to Daniel at the time? We've got our circle, we're all facing each other, and you're on the outside of it. It's your job to break in. It's your job to break in if you want to be a part of this circle. Hey, so, so from now on, when I'm with you in a, in a group, I'm going to stand in a bit of a horseshoe, because I've thought about this and thought, maybe a horseshoe's a bit more, there's an opening, opportunity for people to, to break in. It's a little thing, it's not a big thing, and if I look at it from an insider's perspective, that would be wrong to sit in there with my little circle talking to my mates. But if I'm thinking from an outsider in, and you walk in here, is it fair that you have to try to break into my social world? Let me tell you something about outsiders when they walk into church. Let me tell you something. It has taken them a lot of courage to walk in here. It's a frightening place. It's a weird place. How many of you know that we're not promoted as a really cool hangout? Who knows that? You watch the news, read the newspapers. We're not promoted as a cool place to hang out. We're weird. I know we're not. You know we're not. Well, some of you. You're saying the same thing about me, I'm sure. But when we look at it from the outside in, all of a sudden the whole process is different. Okay? The whole process is a little bit different. If we want people to come along on a Sunday morning, and I'm talking specifically about our Sunday service because it's one of our big controllers right now. This is a, a realm we have a lot of control of. Uh, is how does our service work? And it's it's got to do with having a bit of a look, or just breaking out of the norm and trying to look at it from the outside in and going, right, you know, some of that stuff is extremely negotiable. For example, I don't have to stand in a circle. I can stand in a horseshoe. It's not a big deal, but it takes a bit of a, a little bit of effort on my part to be aware that there might be people here trying to communicate or wanting to get in. We had this really great discussion. I, I'm sure Ash won't mind me using her as an example. We had this discussion at Connectric the other night, and we talked about this. And it came up in our Connectric. Somebody, some of the guys, and, and look, it's a valid, valid perspective. One of the guys said, you know, it's really, really hard because I'm just not comfortable getting up and going and talking to somebody who's near, who's just walked into church. I get it. I am probably socially more awkward than you are. I stand up here in front of people, and it's brilliant. The bigger the crowd, the better I perform. Better I am. But my wife will tell you, when I don't know you very well, I'm, I'm not that big social but My wife's fantastic. She'll walk up for somebody who she doesn't know. She'll walk up for somebody in the negative of doesn't know, who, who she doesn't even know that she doesn't know that doesn't know. And she'll just make them feel like they're the greatest person. She's got a gift on her. Like, I don't have that gift necessarily. But when I see somebody walk into church, I think, you have. A, show a lot of courage to simply make me A lot of courage. B, you've made a sacrifice to me. Because your normal Sunday morning routine does not include the church. You would be doing something else. So you're not only showing courage to walking in, you've sacrificed something to walk in your life. you sacrificed. And thirdly, you've come here for a reason. There's a reason. People don't just walk into church just for heaven. So when I'm looking at it from the outside in, I go, okay, I'm really not comfortable going up and saying, hey, here you going, 
Uh, my name's Alan. Um, can I get you a coffee or get some nice stuff on you? I'm not naturally comfortable doing that. But when I weigh up my insecurity and how I feel about it as an insider, and I compare that to what they have gone through to be here, surely I can plug up the courage to go, hey, even if the conversation goes no further, at least I'm acknowledging it. That makes sense? So let me just throw a couple of things. That was the same. By the way, they never uh, told us they had a bad experience or nothing. This is all just what I feel like God was running around in my head and what I, what I was seeing. Okay? Now, here's the thing. Here are some of the things we need to think about from the outside. I'll get right back to the start. What does it look like? What is it? And I know I'm taking a bit of a chance here saying some of this stuff, and I pray to God you my heart and that you will come back. By the way, let me let me let me let me give you a thought this morning was fantastic. Everybody was here when we started the thing But let me tell you what happens quite often. I stand up here with a guitar slung over my shoulder and I start worshiping the thing I tell you what, if we tell people we're gonna start and they jump on a website and they jump on advertising and see a ten thirty start, then ten thirty start. Most people that don't go to church, my observation the last eighteen months, few people walk in here at ten twenty, ten twenty five. They don't want to come in late, they don't want to draw attention to you. They come in, they walk in, I stand up here with the guitar, what does it communicate to them when I start playing worship in two people? Just think about it, it's just a question. Find them, I'm going, Jesus, can't be that important. Can't be that I'm not saying you've got to be here on time and be saved, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, when I'm looking at it from an inside or out perspective, it doesn't matter, I'm just rock up. I'm looking at it from an outside perspective, in, I'm going, hang on a second. They rock up on time and they say, no, you can communicate something to them. It's really not that important. And even though by the end of worship, it's the Gremlin Church and we have water and grubbers, otherwise, it's sort of what tends to happen. It probably maybe communicate something about the worship time, too. It's actually not that important for worship. Worship is just what you do more people are It's just a thought. It's just an outside in thought. Secondly, what does it look like? Uh, you know, what, what does worship look like for me? To people on the outside, it's a new concept. Not many places they go to get the clothes, otherwise, it's my clothes in the car and they sing for something you can't see. You know? Come strange, strange concept. What does communion look like? What does communion mean for people outside the church? What's with a bucket collecting money? It's one of the reasons why we now do what we do. It's, it's, it's a negotiable and it eliminates that awful pattern. Okay. What's the message supposed to achieve? I'm looking at myself, I'm re looking at the way I present. Uh, my message is I'm looking at how long I'm I'm looking at what I'm talking about. I'm looking at is it is it is it is it is it relatable for you? Are you getting something out of it as as as, as believers? At the same time, how can I help this guy over here that has no Bible background on shit? How can I make how can I make him get up at the end and go, you know what, I don't believe in the Jesus stuff, but I really got something out of myself. There was a takeaway for me, there was something there that related to my world. Therefore, it was actually worth the sacrifice this morning for you. So, I'm working on that. It's something I've got to look at and, and, and ask some hard questions of myself and, and to do what needs to be done. What does it look like when nobody tries to talk to you after the service? What does it feel like when you see them and we are just wanting you to break in for a conversation? What does it communicate to you? What, what is it, what is it that, when we had this conversation at Pedigree, it was fantastic. Ash was so beautiful. She said, I feel really bad now because I've never looked at that. And that's basically what it's about. It's just a bit of a tweak of perspective. <coughs> looking at things a little bit different from the outside looking in. So, in Acts chapter 15, we've got all these people taking these runs out of the ladder, making it harder for people to reach God. I'm almost consciously aware by the time I get up and preach. 
that how many things have happened that may have offended me or weirded people out. And I'm not, by the way, saying we're ever going to be perfect, and I'm not saying we negate the God that. Okay? I'm certainly not saying that. But just because God is a part of something, is not a enough reason to come from God. Okay? So I'm always aware by the time, by the time you get up and you, you want to talk about the Word of God or the Bible and share something, you know, how many times they'll freak out because they walk in and nobody was here. Then they'll freak out because they hold it out to stand up and worship and they have no idea what they're doing. And then they freak out because I'm taking money off them. But the time I speak, they just freak and wing it out. It doesn't matter what I'm saying, they just can't wait to get out the door. Don't even bother trying to talk them up. You just go on. That's your way out. Then somebody's stretching. No, we really love you. We love you. Come back. We're a good church. Okay. So what I'm talking about is when we start to look from the outside in, I want to, we want to build a church, have a church where we, we don't take them run down and make them hard for So much of what we do is negotiate. Okay? Death, burial, resurrection, of course, is not negotiable. Most of the rest is negotiable. So we're going to sit back and we're going to have a look at the way we do church, the way we do our Sunday service. Because right now it's tangible people we haven't been in Please don't freak out. You're not going to rock up next week and we're all, you know, dressed in board shorts and thongs and uh, we've got bongo drums and, and, you know, techno DJ music. Please don't freak out. It's, I'm not saying all of this to say that we're going to, you know, radically change it. I'm just saying it's, a, it's more of a mentality. But when change does happen, we're able to go with it because we're going, I can see how that would be. I can see how that would be. I can see how that change will make it a bit more relaxing and easier when I bring my non-church friend or my non-church relative along. Matter of fact, I'm glad they're not passing buckets around anymore because that's one of the reasons why I don't want my friends. I'm glad that they're not uh, doing things this way anymore because if I'm honest, that's one of the reasons why I don't want it's terrible to pass through church and, and go, and I, I'm pastoring it and I go, oh, I wouldn't want to bring my friends to my own church. Not because of you. And let's just be real, people. I'm sure there are people here in this church, and you're just, you just think about your friends and relatives and go, there's no way I can belong in this church. Well, I don't like that. But I know it's true. So I want to try to do the things that we need to do, get rid of the stuff we can get rid of, bring in the things we need to bring to try to create that environment where non-church people come along and end the service and go, you know what, I might not even agree with the premise of what we're all about, but I just love the connection I have with you people, I get something out of the message, I quite enjoy the singing, the music's cool, whatever, and they want to come back. Once you imagine after church stuff, you go shopping, you get out of here, don't like and uh, you get your bag of groceries and your stuff, you're going to have your chicken sandwiches or something. You walk up to the register, pull out your credit card, open up the wallet, you've got to get your credit card out and pay And you go, oh, credit card's missing. So you turn to your partner, your wife, your husband, whatever, you go, oh, you've got the, uh, 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 my credit card now, no, I haven't got it. And you go, oh, I've got another one here, and you pull that card out, you swipe it, you pay for it. You go out, you jump in the car, you buy my money, you make yourself a roll, just sit down and have a nice lunch, walk around. I don't think that's what would happen. I think if you went out there and you realised you were missing your credit card and you paid for the other card, and then you walk out of that store, you would begin a process, you'd get a hold, find that credit card, stop that card from being used. You would do whatever you could within your power to make sure that it didn't cost you anything. Great. Well, that's exactly what we want to do. It's great to have the people that we have. But every credit card that's gone missing is costing God something. Yes. The stuff coming out of the bank account should be gone. 
So we want to build a church that is friendly to the outsiders, a church that gets rid of the things that we know will be overtly offensive. Please, please, in my heart, please, if you have any questions about anything I've said today, I would rather you come and talk to me about it so I can clarify, nullify any fears or concerns. Like I said, we're not going to tear the church world upside down and just... But what I want us to do as a result today is to stimulate conversation and to stimulate thinking and to know that if you hang around the rise, which I believe in praying you do, that's the direction that we're heading. If we go forward, these are the things that we're thinking about. These are some of the thought processes that will be involved in the decisions that we make. I read a great quote the other day. It said, to reach people no one else is reaching, we need to do things no one else we want to build a church for church people, what we're really doing is creating competition for other churches, and that's all we We're just sitting we're going to have the best, most exciting church and we'll pull numbers from the rest of it. If there's only 2% of our population in the church, it means we've got 2% target money, 2% target audience. We're reaching non-church people, that's exciting, we've got 98% target money. I'm sure that we can do something for the rest of the people, amen? Yeah. No one's running out, so I'm going to take that good thing. We've still got tea and coffee up there and, and some, some stuff left over there. 12 about 7, I went about 7 minutes over time. I apologise for that. We take this time. Father, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for uh, Lord, who we are. I thank you for what we have here, the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the personalities, the relationships that we have at Arise. Holy Spirit, we uh, look forward to seeing what you want to do with us as a group of people. We look forward to seeing what Arise looks like in three months, in six months, in a year, in five years. God, we look forward to being able to, uh, God, seek you to come into a relationship with you because of the things that we do, God. We look forward to seeing people come into a relationship with you simply because we were gutsy enough to ask ourselves the questions, simply because we were courageous enough to confront some of the answers that we may not or we may not want. And Holy Spirit, we just commit this journey in your hands. And we pray for out there, we pray for the Canelba, Lismore uh, region, Byron Bay, Bahana, uh, Casino. Father, we pray. Holy Spirit, continue to draw people to yourself. God, give us opportunities as the days go by to bump into people and to just show them a little bit of your love and mercy and grace and In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. If you know people that are not here today but are regulars here, I'm going to get some copies of that burnt. I would love everybody that goes to this church to have a copy. Otherwise, you can tell them jump on iTunes and then upload it on iTunes. Uh, iTunes. Okay. I want everybody to listen to it. If you want to jump off the bus now, it's a good time, but I hope you don't. <laughs>